Welcome to Bushfire. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I like Neville Johnson, Session 3. There's something for you to think about. Do you believe that um, God is in control of everything? Everything? He sits in the heavens? He's in control? He's not sitting in heavens, wringing his hands, wondering what's going on here? And he knows the end from the beginning, how it all works out? So we've read the last chapter. So why do we need to pray? When we know it's all going to come pan out. You've got to think about these things. I'm not going to tell you the answer, just think about it. <laughs> Maybe you will sometime, we will. <clears throat> Another thing here, we've been talking about angels. How angels work with William Branham and others, Catherine Kuhlman, and uh, how angels come into play. And, uh, of course, angels interacting with men is all the way through the Bible. Hundreds of incidents all the way through the Bible. As we come into this next move of God, we are going to move from Pentecost to tabernacles. Right? We're going to move into another dimension. Pentecost was not the last experience for us. We might think it was. It was for the early church. The early church did not complete. It went into decline before it reached its fullness. But the end time church will. And there's another experience. You see, we experienced Passover. That was an experience, born again. We experienced Pentecost, Feast of Pentecost, baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? These were experiences, life-changing. There's still more to come. And um, in the Feast of Tabernacles, there's much, much more to come. And in Hebrews 12, Paul the Apostle is talking about, you know, going on, removing, going on. And um, in verse 18 it says, For you who have not come to the mountain that might be touched with fire. And uh, he's talking to the early church, New Testament church and darkness, and the sound of a trumpet, and so on. He was talking about when Israel came out of Passover, they came 50 days to Mount, Mount Sinai, and they had an encounter with the Lord called, Tabernacle, called Pentecost. 50 days, Pentecost. But he said, Paul is saying, you mustn't stop there. There's more. More to it for us. There's more coming said they could not endure but, you know the mountain caught fire and there was an earthquake but it was speaking of Pentecost uh, but he said you must go on to another experience and that experience was Mount Zion the open heaven David's tabernacle <coughs> and he said then when you come there you come to Mount Zion the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. This is a new dimension, okay? The, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, registered in heaven. It goes on to say, heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels, God the judge, Jesus the, medita- the mediator of the new covenant, You come unto saints, just saints, made perfect. See, he's talking about a whole new realm. A whole new experience. 
a whole new kind of open heaven. And he said, but when this takes place, we come to this place in Mount Zion, an open heaven, where all, all these angels, the whole thing is open to us. He said, it will be a time when I'm finally shaking the earth for one more time. That's this day and age in which we are living. And he said, we'll, I will shake the heavens and I will shake the earth and bring in a kingdom, the kingdom of God on the earth. <coughs> we are right there now. The next experience is an open heaven. You're going to take the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle and place it in a humble little tent on Mount Zion. Hmm. That is an incredible thing, you know, because nobody could see the Ark of the Covenant come there in the Old Testament, except this one period, a prophetic interlude, and the Ark of the Covenant was placed on Mount Zion and everybody could see it. I mean, the priest could only, the high priest could only go in once a year, you know, to the tabernacle. Here it is in the open. And I said to the Lord, Lord, what's this like? What is this like? Can you show me what it's like? And I plagued the Lord for three months. <laughs> what was it like? I got up one morning. The Lord was standing in my living room. And he said, come. I'm going to show you what it was like. And I was standing back in the days of David. Now, it's not unusual to be able to be taken back. How do you think Moses wrote all about the Garden of Eden. How do you think he get all those details? Oh, three books. Okay. I was taken back and I was standing way down from the Mount Zion. The Mount Zion was, I was standing about halfway up. I could see this tent. I could see the glory of the Lord. The, shine, the glory of the Lord that was coming off that place lit up the whole of Jerusalem. And it speaks about that in the Psalms. David writes many Psalms about this. It was coming in different colors. And they were bringing sick people, cripples, carrying them up to get into the radius of that emanation. When they got certain, certainly close to it, they were healed. And I said, look, that's not written in the Bible. And he said, well, you haven't seen it yet. It is there. Our God will shine from Mount Zion. Bring healing, bring life, bring blessings, bring all of those things. And it was an incredible display of color and, and glory and brilliance. And it was this open heaven. That's where God's taken us. Our next stop is Mount Zion to the open heaven to the manifest presence and glory of the Lord. That's the next experience. We have to move on from Pentecost. We keep everything we have of Pentecost, but move on as well to something more. That's been reserved for this generation. Come to innumerable company of angels, he said, on Mount Zion. Now, in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, you know, I'm just giving you things as it comes to me. And it talks about um, the Lord Jesus. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. These seven spirits of the Lord are not just anointings. They are seven angels which stand before the throne of God. Under each of these seven angels are others under them with that same anointing. Different anointings. And it's when those angels turn up that anointing is manifest. This is what was happening with William Branham and, and others. They were not ordinary angels. They were one of the seven spirits of the Lord. Now, Understanding this is, is important. 
because each of one of these has a color, the color of the rainbow, the seven colors. And you can tell who, who is in your midst by the color or the hue that is over the congregation. And it's, it's like, you know, the spirit of wisdom shall rest upon him. That's an incredible anointing. That's an incredible, the impartation of the wisdom of God. Impartation. Spirit of knowledge. That's not the word of knowledge. I once had that, that, that angel come to me and just touch me. And instantly I understood things way beyond my capacity to understand. Just a little touch of it. And spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel. This is not just counseling, you know. This is a different level of counseling. Governments are going to call on the people of God to give them counsel. I had a letter, and I can't tell you who from, from a royal family in Europe. And they said, Neville, we need some counsel. They're going to call upon us. They said, we listen to your tapes all the time. I said, how? <laughs> we do not know what is going on. I got a call from a, it was way back in the 70s, I got a call from an admiral. And he was a U.S. admiral on a warship. And he wouldn't tell me where the warship was because of his reasons. He said, I'm coming into a port where you live and there is a change of command. I am leaving as the, uh, and another command is taking over. Will you um, uh, facilitate this change of command? I thought, I don't know anything about, anything about commands and change. And I said... Okay, I'll do it. So he gave me the date the warship comes in. Um, he didn't give me any protocol. So I thought, okay, we just, my wife and I turned up, introduced us to this guy, and, the ship, and I said, you know, I said, I'm curious. I said, he, I said, what do you really want me to do? He said, I want you to pray for the new captain of this warship. I said, well, I can do that. But I said, how do you know about me? He said, your tapes are played through this warship day and night. I said, what? I said, how come? He said, well, my wife is a Christian and gets them and makes sure that they get onto the boat and they're played all day in the morning. You do not know what influence you have. And, 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 you know, so I prayed. I prayed for the captain and prayed for the outgoing captain. And, uh, you know, they were heading out to Vietnam. And uh, it was like, you know, counsel, the spirit of counsel, royal families. you, the day, times they are changing. These spirits are going to be released like never before. Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Boy, that's a beauty. That's an angel. When he turns up in your midst, all hell breaks loose. That's what accompanied Charles Finney on all of his journey. He would get into a, a, a tram car, not say a word, and the whole tram car would come under conviction of sin. Everybody in it. Why? He never opened his mouth. Because that angel was with him. The spirit of the fear of the Lord gripped the whole tram car. These are the seven spirits of the Lord. 
would be fantastic if we get one of those stem spirits of the Lord here. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Church needs a good dose of the fear of the Lord. So wherever he went, people came under conviction and got saved. You imagine lots of these spirits released into the church when we go out on the streets. Seven spirits of the Lord. They're angelic spirits that accompany us and diffuse that anointing. Hallelujah. It's coming. See, we have Pentecost, the gifts of the Spirit, and we'll always have that, and they're good. You know? But fruit is more important than gifts. But we're also going to another level to start moving into the seven spirits of the Lord. Counsel. Counsel. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said, He that endures to the end shall be saved. We're living there now. You know, there wasn't much point of saying that for his and his generation. Because he was talking about the end times and the coming of the Lord. He said, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. He stood on Mount Olives and he was talking about when Jesus was going to return. We won't read it all. But he said, and finally he said, he that endures to the end. You know, half the church is waiting to be rescued in a rapture. When we are supposed to be doing the rescuing. Come on. You know, this whole mentality... Waiting, he's coming before it gets too bad. We're all going to be caught away and leave the rest of the devil. That is not God. It's not how it works. I believe in the rapture. I do. But it's not a place to escape. It's not an escape. We are on the earth to do the rescuing in this final hour. Not we being rescued. We've already been rescued. You know? When this world gets really bad, and it's going to get really bad, they're going to turn to you for help. Because you're going to be serene. You're not going to be freaked out. You're going to be happy. And they'll say, why are you happy? Everything's gone wrong in the world. Look what just happened in New York. That's just the beginning. You're going to see power outages for months in some of the major cities of the world. That's easy to say that, but what that really means is scary. And then we are here to do the rescuing when everything gets bad. You know, the church has got to put together disaster response teams when there's an earthquake. You say we don't get earthquakes in the UK. Just wait. Where the disaster, where teams of the church can go in and heal the people who have been hurt in the disasters. Give them the water of life. Take in water, take in food. Give them the gospel, bless them, help them, nurture them back. And a few years ago, when, when you know, that great disaster in St. Louis, was it St. Louis? No. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. The U.S. government were very slow to respond, but Rick Joyner took a team in, big team. And uh, 
They took food in, they took generators in, they took a big team in to help the people, get them out of them, pray for them as if they were hurt in the disaster, and so on. And they were so affected. They so were efficient at what they were doing. The president said, don't give any more money to FEMA. Give it to these people. I love it. The world's going to look to the church and finally think, hey, these people have got answers. It's an exciting day, an exciting hour. We have to stay alive and endure to the end. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? In half an hour, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it. (laughs) All right. I I was praying about this and thinking about this and Lord, you know, and I, I suddenly... I'm into this interactive vision. I'm no longer in my home. And I'm walking across this ground, open ground, and I come to a huge dome, which you can see through. Huge. I mean, massive. And there are people in there, living in there, and so on. And I was thinking, why is that? So I stood back and I watched. And I watched these people would come out and they'd go and minister people that come back and come back through this translucent dome. And I was thinking, Lord, what is this? Then I was watching demons come after them. And these people would just walk through this dome and the demons would go smack, fall up against it. Couldn't get through. And I thought, well, it's neat. <laughs> I thought, wow. And I said, Lord, what is that? What's that stuff made of? He said, that's made of the blood of Jesus. You know the blood of Jesus is no longer red. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Red. He lives in a body of light. Our resurrection bodies won't have red blood in it. They'll be powered by light. His blood now is light. This whole dome was made of this blood of Jesus. It was light. Demons could not get through it. People who knew the Lord could walk in and out. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say unto the Lord, The Lord is my refuge. On him will I trust. I will not be afraid of the arrows that fly at night. What are those? Missiles. Nor for the plagues that are rampant during the day. Some of the plagues that are coming on the face of the earth today, there will be no answer for them. There will be no antibiotics for them. Plagues. He said... They will not come near you. But you will see this with your eyes. And he said, A thousand shall fall at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Things are going to get bad. But there is a place of refuge for us to walk in the midst of it. Under the shadow of his wings. It's going to be very exciting and it's going to be very tough. But if we know the Lord and we are walking with Him and we learn how to live in His conscious presence, we abide with the shell. It will not come near you. John G. Lake was a huge plague, plague in Africa. People were dying of this plague. I mean, thousands were dying. There was no answer to it. John G. Lake is in there praying for people. They said officially, you cannot come in here. He said, this is deadly. 
And this man was dying. And he took the foam off the man's mouth, held it in his hand, and said, now put it under the microscope. Everything was dead in it. Just because it touched him, it died. And they said, how did you do that? That, that foam should be rampant with this disease. He simply said, the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. It can't touch me. He started wading amongst them, healing the sick. The plague shall come, but it shall not come near you. Hallelujah. It's hard to explain, but you emanate light all the time. From your spirit there is an emanation. That that emanation, when that emanation is strong enough to be external to your body, I'll use the word aura. We had it before the New Age, so don't freak out. Aura. And it, it, it's nothing can pass through that aura and get to you. Dies on the way in. The plague shall be out there, but it shall not come near you. People who got caught in Peter's aura were instantly healed. That shadow wasn't the shadow from the sun, you know. Peter's shadow was his aura. The light that was coming off him was so great and people passing through it were healed. We have to come to the place where the light in us is so great that it becomes external to us. The law of the spirit of life makes you free from the law of sin and death. There is one generation. What is the last enemy? Okay. That means one generation has to overcome it. Well, does it mean that? The last enemy to be overcome, the scripture says, is death. In the midst of all what's happening in the world, great darkness, there's a people who cannot die. I'm stretching you a bit. But you need, you need to be stretched. You need your mindset changed. This generation has so much for it in God. The last enemy. You know, we, people say, oh, we're overcomers. We, we're overcoming. <laughs> you have to have a problem to overcome. <laughs> you can't be overcomers without you facing some major problem. Right? So when it all goes wrong for you, don't complain. God's saying, I'm making you overcomers. Overcome it. And things will go wrong. Things do go wrong. That's life. You know, oh, we're getting off this. Anyway, why, why is it that bad things happen to good people? And let's face it, I'm talking about Christians now. You know what I'm saying is true, right? Bad things happen to good people. You know, we, we, the mystery of suffering really is a mystery. You know, bad things do happen. But we must overcome. My, my daughter died when she was 26 in a car accident. Just life snuffed out like that. She came to me and she said, Dad, all prophecy over my life has been fulfilled. I said, I'll find a prophecy. <laughs> she said, no, no. Said, it's all fulfilled, you know. And she died. And I said, Lord, I've served you all my life. Why did you let this happen? 
He said, enough did you believe I'm in control? I thought, here comes the trick question. <laughs> I said, yes. I said, he said, do you believe that imposing has a destiny when it's over? It's time to take them home? I said, yes. But she's young, I said. He said to me, do you believe that we need seed, good young people, a seed for the coming harvest? I said, maybe. <laughs> I was having this encounter with the Lord on this, this whole thing. See, some of you have lost children. You think, why? Before every great move of God, there has always been martyrs. There's always been death. And there's always been the loss of children. Well documented. Why? Because God needs seed for the next generation. Some of you have lost children. And you say, what did we do wrong, you know? He didn't, didn't do anything wrong. God's ways, you know, past finding out. God needs seed. Out of seed come thousands of others. There are two armies. There's one on that side and there's one on this side. In the end times, they are going to work together. They're very active on the other side. Very active. I was praying one day. I turned around and there was my daughter standing next to me. It's happened more than once. I said, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> she said, I'm just on an assignment and I drop by to make sure you're okay. I said, what assignment? <laughs> she said it plane an aircraft is going to be shot down off the east coast of America and um, she said I'm, I'm sent there to take the children off just as that happens it's part of my assignment <laughs> you know we, there's a lot we don't understand she said to me a missile will go through that, 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 that aircraft, but it won't explode because there are exercises being done, you know, by the Navy practices. And that missile, one missile will go astray and go right through that jet airliner and bring it down. I said, you sure? And I told my church this. And she said, and she was gone. The next day, an aircraft went down off the East Coast. You remember that? For America. They could not find any explosive residue when they got the aircraft off the bottom, but they found a hole clear through the middle. But God took the children off before that happened just before it happened. People on the other side are very busy. We have no idea, no idea of what goes on out there. And I don't care if people say that necromancy. I don't care anymore. This thing is real. It's real. And they are very active. See, what is that hard for children? She has so many assignments for children in the world. So many. She had an assignment where a, another disaster was going to occur, occur with Muslim children. And she was involved in that, getting them off and getting them into heaven. Don't say God is not good. There's a place in heaven where Muslim children arrive who've died. <laughs> 
and the place where they are taught, the place where they're introduced to Jesus, and their accountability age is much higher than us in the Western world because we have heard about the Lord. Our children have heard about Jesus. They haven't. And so they're accountable. Some of these were late in their late teens, never heard the name of Jesus. Streaming into heaven. I mean, constantly streaming. Being taught and being educated. Because, but then, you know, Paul said, you know, when I was a child, I was fine. But when the law came and my understanding came, then I was in big trouble because I was accountable. We don't know the age where accountability starts. And God is very fair and God is very just. But we are here. See, everything God does and allows is redemptive. Everything. Everything. God's raising up an army on that side and an army on this side. In these last days, they're going to march together. Armies of heaven, armies on the earth, plus the angels are going to work together. God is good. There's some bad times coming, but we can trust Him. We can trust Him. We don't have to fear. Anything we do or build out of fear will not last. We have to be really careful about this survival thing in the end times. If we are operating out of fear, it'll collapse. Survival is about helping others. He that endures to the end. Some things we don't understand. We'll never understand until we get to the other side. Seemingly bad things happen to good people. But from God's point of view, it's very different. Most of the evangelists in the 1948 move of God almost died before they came into their ministry. Kenneth Hagin was dying. He loved the Lord. His mother loved the Lord. Everyone loved the Lord around him, but he was dying. He had to overcome it. Become an overcomer. And when he overcame it, he had the power to heal others. Because he had overcome it. No matter what trouble you're going through, once you get through it, you're going to have the power to redeem others in that area. See, everywhere, every place the devil has a stripe over you, when that thing is healed, you will have power over that area. So God allows things to happen to us in order to overcome them so that we have power and authority in that area because we have overcome. And if you're going through difficult times, bad times, I've been to the point of death many times. More, more times than I want to think about. You know, I've been shot at. I've been all everything. Things happen to us because God allows them to happen to us so that we overcome. And when we've overcome them, we have power in that area to release others. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You had a bad breakup and your terrible marriage and all that and you were hurt and so God says, you know, you could see that was going to happen. But you come out of that with the right spirit. Without any resentment. Without any bitterness. You come out of that. You overcome and still love God with all of your heart. Then you have the power to restore others. You hear what I'm saying? I wasn't supposed to preach on this this morning. 
that it's, it's important for some people here. Overcoming. Bad things do happen. Seemingly bad. I've seen so many people die. You know, my wife, we, the other day, we were just reminiscing, counting how many people I'd married, and we got into the hundreds. And, I mean, didn't marry them, I married them, yeah. <laughs> hundreds. And you think, wow, I wonder where they all are today. You know, I have buried hundreds of people. When you have a church of three, four thousand people, you have weddings every month. You have people dying every month. You know, I've seen things which we seemingly did not understand. I've held little babies in oxygen tents with their parents standing behind me crying when they the heartbeat finally stops, you know. And it's still in my hand. I'm holding this. T- Why? Why? What do you say to the parents? Why? Why is this little baby died? Whatever God does is good. If you don't believe that, you will not survive. Whatever God does is redemptive. God always does the highest thing possible for us under every circumstance. And through the years, I've seen so many people die. Young people, older people, buried them, friends. You see, in life it's like that. But if we see from God's point of view, if we believe that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purposes, nothing will faze you. That doesn't mean you don't have any sorrow, but you get through it. But nothing will faze you. Nothing. God is in control. He loves us. He's going to do the very best He can for us. And whatever He does is redemptive. It's to save us. I once had this situation of a teenager and and this teenager was dying. And and, you know, he'd been praying, but he died. And I said, Lord, you know, this is a teenager. He hasn't seen any life yet. What's the deal with this? You know, what is this? God said, I'll show you something. He said, we'll go back to the point where he hasn't died. I said, okay. I saw that young man grow up to about the age of 28, 30, go away from the Lord, way into the world, and never return. Then the Lord looked at me, and he looked at me sternly and said, what would you have done? I said, I give in. I'm not God. I don't think like you. Aircraft full of Muslim children went down in the Mediterranean Sea a few years ago. All young children died. People were saying, how good is God? Why could God allow that to happen? You know, and all this thing was running. Where is God? Where is God? So God confronted me. And I said, Lord, I don't have all the answers. He confronted me and he said, okay. See, all of these children here, they will grow up. The Muslim faith will be lost. Or I could allow this child this aircraft to go down and scoop them out and collect them all up in heaven. Then he said, what would you do? 
I thought, give up arguing, you know. All I know is God is good. A lot of things we don't understand, but God is still good. God has a purpose for you in this last generation. There's a reason why you are here. You know, a reason why you're alive today. Sent once. Sent into this earth. You say, well, I don't know my destiny. You know, if you seek God, don't get too caught up in that. But <coughs> What makes you come alive? Okay, you're watching a movie and suddenly in the movie you come alive. What is that? Touched your destiny? You came alive with it? Your destiny rose up. Oh, that's me. You hear a song. Why do I feel that emotional over that song? That's crazy. My secular song. Touches your destiny? Part of your calling. Try to recognize what makes you come alive. Because what makes you come alive is touching your destiny. God can make it plain. There's a purpose. There's a plan. How many of you... Oh, I'll be not asked this. Yes, I will. How many of you saw the movie Avatar? Come on, be honest. Your backside. It was a great movie, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, God, when the church goes dumb, God uses Hollywood to wake it up. I'm serious. There is a prophetic voice. Hollywood's terrible. You know, it's corrupt. But now and again, God takes over and speaks prophetically. you got an avatar. You got an avatar. He's waiting to be unleashed. You can do way beyond what you dreamed of. Your spirit man is in there just waiting to get out. You know, if you died, this is not prophetic, but if you died today, <laughs> it's not prophetic. Your spirit comes out of your body, right? And it can see perfectly in the spirit realm. You can see angels, demons, other human spirits. Clearly as anything. So why can't it see that stuff when it's still in you? See, you've got to question things, you know? Why? Why? Because when he's on the inside... <laughs> you've got to work his way through an awful lot of mess in us particularly in the mind your spirit can see right now your spirit can see all the angels in this room but your natural mind won't let you see it it does not compute it's out of sync I mean, did we, and we need to talk about this because this is the problem up here. The natural mind shuts down. It, your spirit rises up and it wants you to see what it can see. But your natural mind says, that's not real. That's not possible. Shuts it down. You have an avatar. You have another you on the inside. And he can fly. <laughs> Seriously. He can fly. He can fly. How many of you have had dreams and in your dream you were flying? Wow. Great. How many of you had dreams and you were underwater swimming and you didn't? Yeah. You see, what happens when you're asleep, this goes dead. And your spirit says, yippee. <laughs> 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 they go, fly. 
It's at the first stage, you know, is for you to dream is the first stage. There's furthermore stages like that. Billy Graham describes when the, before the Berlin Wall fell down, a few years before that, he, was, he described groups of people taking Bibles into East Germany. He said they would get within 50 meters of the wall and disappear. And they would find themselves deep in East Germany, distribute the Bibles, walk back within a meter or a mile of the Berlin Wall and disappear again. This went on for months. And the church says, that's not possible today. Oh, yes it is. I walked, was walking down from my bedroom to the kitchen and I disappeared. I mean, literally, it's not my spirit. I disappeared. And I was walking across this vast plain in Mongolia. And I thought, I knew where I was, I don't know how. And I thought, Lord, I hope you can get me back. (laughs) I always carry a passport now. Just joking. <laughs> I walked across this plain, this grass, and in the distance, there were a group of men, about 50, and some horses, in a group, camping, horses there. I could smell horses. They saw me coming. Then I thought, well, there's no one else around. I walked up to them. As, as I was walking up to them, the Lord said to me, tell them about me. And I said, Lord, I don't know the language. He said, just tell them about me. (laughs) So I began to tell them about Jesus. I was speaking in English, and they were hearing in Mongolian. Translation took place in the air somewhere between. I spoke to them for about an hour and talked to them about Jesus. They were so attentive. They knew I shouldn't be there, and they didn't know how I got there, but they were attentive. Then finally I said, others will come to this area and teach you more about Jesus. And I said, I have to leave, but others will come. And when I came out of that, I was still walking towards the kitchen. All time was suspended. Didn't tell anyone but my wife, you know, you've got to be careful what you tell people. <laughs> but I don't live here, so it's all right. <laughs> you know, about three months later, my youth leader, an existing pastor, youth leader, came to me and he said, No, I feel to take a team of young people to Mongolia. I said, I think you're right. He <laughs> <laughs> went there and worked there for two years, preaching the gospel. Starts in your dreams. I have emails from all over the world. An email a while ago said, how did, you come, how did you get to America and talk? You came into our cell group and talked to us. I said, did I? I had no recall of it. And I worked it out. I would have been asleep anyway. Next stages. There are stages in this. Phillips Transport, what we call Phillips Transport, it's going to become so common in this next move of God. Groups of people are going to appear all over the world to preach the gospel. They'll speak in English and it will come out in their language. These are powers of the age to come. If you believe it, you can do it.
If you don't, well, you can't. But, you know, there's got to be something better than this, hasn't there? But good is what we've got. And good is what we've had in the past. This generation of kids are not going to settle for anything less than the real deal. You're too schooled up now in the occult and all that kind of stuff. Too far. Harry Potter grabbed a whole generation of young people. Parents used to come to me and say, you know, it's all right to let my kids go. Christians. I said, oh, well, is it okay if you want to introduce them to witchcraft? <laughs> Christians are so naive. That woman introduced a whole generation to witchcraft. And watching that movie, generations of kids got demon-possessed. Ah, but God's got a master plan. He's going to get them. Your sons and your orders shall prophesy. Oh, hallelujah. God's not going to lose this generation of young people. Not going to lose them. Not going to lose them. But you can't give them some kind of wishy-washy religion that doesn't work. They're not going to buy it. When they come in, they want to get out there casting demons out. They were born for this. Because kids are born for it. When they get out there in the hospitals healing the sick. I'll tell you one more story. And that's it, because get me. My two young grandchildren, you know. Very funny. They were talking, Mark was listening, the son, we were listening. And they were very, very young. And they were saying, remember what it was like before we came here? They were saying, remember the trees were different. Talking like this. And remember this and this before we came? And my granddaughter was saying, yes, I remember that. And the colors were so different than what they are now. A year later, my grandson was saying to the younger one, tell me again what it's like, because I can't remember now. Hey. Coming into this world is like forgetting where we came from. And it's kids, little kids, do remember. But through time, it's lifted. You didn't originate here. Don't ask me what you were doing before you came here. But you were doing something. And you agreed with the Lord to come. And some of us agreed to meet each other up in a certain date in this world. Connections were made before we came here because we knew each other. This is not New Age. It is not New Age, it's New Testament. Oh, hallelujah. Have you ever wondered why you really click with some people? Like I've known you all my life. See, I ask questions to the Lord. <laughs> and often he takes me and shows me what it was like. God can take you into the past. Took Moses into the past to write about Genesis. You know, we had a town in the country I was living in where it was a graveyard for preachers. Nobody survived it. You don't get towns like that. And the Lord said, I want you to, to start a church in that place. I wouldn't send someone in. I was still passive. And I said, but Lord, you know, that place is death trap. You know, nobody survives in there. 
I don't know what goes on, but nobody survives. Pastors just do not survive trying to start a church there. So the Lord kept on at me. So I said, I will make a trip to that town and I'll pray. So I'll go up to that town, book into a hotel room, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to be here. Because you can't be honest with God, you know. He knows anyway. I said, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't have the time to do this. <clears throat> and anyway, Lord, it's a graveyard for preachers. I heard this, come. That's all I heard. I was no longer in that motel room, but I was walking down the street 150 years previous. You see, in the spirit realm, there's no time or space. So, I'm walking down the street looking at these people, and they are looking at me. And I thought, I definitely got the wrong clothes on. <laughs> and then, you know, anyway, I walked through, and it was bustling time, and the river was running red. I thought, that's weird. A red river. And I, it was not a wide river, about six, eight feet wide. But I was in that town, same town, 150 years previous. So I said to someone, why is the river running red? And this person looked at me as if, you know, as if, what planet are you off, you know? He said, well, because of the, the, there's just been a huge battle between the Maoris and the Europeans, and, and, and it's, um, the Maoris won, and they cannibalized all the Europeans, that's the blood in the river. I thought, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I thought, What? And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, no, that hasn't been dealt with. And you've got to deal with it. I'm back in my hotel room. Thinking, what just happened? I said, what? what? You know, through a series of events, I was able to get together the Maori elders in that town and speak to them about this incident. And I got the Europeans, a group of Europeans together and say, Europeans have got to forgive these Maoris. And I said, you Maoris have got to repent of what you did. You know, there was a lot of hostility. Anyway, we pursued with this thing, a lot of tears, a lot of problems. But eventually it all came together. And they said, we forgive you. We're sorry this happened. And through that whole thing, now the Lord said, now, you take, send this man and you go in with him, take some crusades in this town, put him in as pastor. And the church flourished. <coughs> flourished. In the realm of the spirit, there's no past and there's no future. It's all one. There's no time as we know it. The only thing we have time in this world is to stop everything happening at once. But in the realm of the spirit, time is laid and you can cross those layers, past, present, and future. That's why John, when he was in heaven, saw a group of people who hadn't yet been born. And he said, who are these people? And the prophet that was with him says, these are those who came out of the great tribulation. Great tribulation hadn't happened yet. Understand what I'm saying? God knows everything. This is the realm of the spirit. They said these are the powers of the age to come. And if our mindset is not geared to the possibility of these things, we can never move into them. But we come into a new day, a new era. 
a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is going to take us to a whole nother level. God knows how to get the job done. God's going to transport people all over the world to preach the gospel. It's going to be fascinating, exciting. It'll never be a dull moment. And your kids will take to this like duck to a water. What the devil thought in initiating them all into witchcraft just conditioned them to the point that nothing is impossible. God will have the last say. He'll bring them into the real thing and they'll flow into it just like that. Time's out. Really out. Let's pray. Stand together. Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear and a heart, Lord, to perceive. Lord, I've shared some of these things with people, these people. Some of, the, some of it, it will be hard for them to understand, and I understand that. But at least, Lord, it sows in their hearts the possibility there's something better that's lying ahead. The best wine is going to be poured out in the end times. Oh, you reserved it for this generation. I pray, Lord, that you'll lead your people in godliness, purity of heart, that they might be found candidates for what is about to unfold across the face of the earth. Condition them, Lord. Condition them, prepare them. Lord, reestablish hope within their hearts. After so long a time, Lord, where nothing seemingly happens and everything goes going the wrong way, Lord, I just pray, reestablish hope. We cannot live without hope. Let it build within them faith and hope. In Jesus' name. You know, hope is, hope is eternal. Hope is not, I hope something is going to happen. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is, it's definitely, absolutely going to happen, but it's still yet a little future. That's all. That's biblical hope. God bless you. If you'd like any more information, please go to our website, www.bushfireministries.co.uk or see our online web shop, www.bushfire-shop.org.